0: Hey, everybody, welcome once again to the Good Lion podcast. I'm Aaron Salvato. And I'm Brian Higgins. So, the last episode, we were talking to Dominic Doan, the pastor of West Side of Jesus Church. You're a fan, I'm a fan. It was a good episode.
1: Great teacher. Yeah. Really good conversation you guys had. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Loved talking about
0: doubts. And I thought we could pick it up on this episode to continue that conversation and to talk a little bit more about doubts and to answer some of the questions that Dom and I couldn't get to. I know we are not Dominic Doan, and we are not as much of an
1: authority on doubt because we have not written books on doubt. Have you written any books Mm -hmm. on doubt? No, I haven't even started, so (laughs) I'm pretty behind on the writing a book on doubt thing. Yeah, but you know, it's something I think that most Christians can
0: speak into in some ways because I think all of us have experienced doubt. You know, on the last episode, I was actually listening to it when I was editing and I said something where I was like, oh, why did I say that? I, I was like talking about my own experience and I was mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, you know, I've, I've seen some things in my life that are things I consider miraculous. And so, you know, I can't explain them away without God. And I've said that before on the show, but I feel like it kind of makes it seem like I don't have doubts and that's just mm-hmm. not true. Like, yes, I've seen some crazy things. But I also have experienced times where I'm like, God, I do not trust you in this moment. What about you? Like what, what's been your experience with doubt?
1: Yeah, real quick, just to hit on your story. That was something that I thought was really interesting. You bringing up what you were saying of I've seen things that I can't explain away because right. I haven't seen a ton of those things, but I've had a few moments where it was just like, of course this is God, of course this is real. But I've also found for me personally that give it a month, give it a year, give it five years, I get really good at explaining those things away (laughs) and I think that like I look at passages in the Old Testament where Israel watches the Red Sea open Mm -hmm. and then they go across on dry land and they watch their enemies get drowned in the waters. and. (laughs) they see this incredible thing and then just a few chapters later they're like god brought us here to die and when i read (laughs) it i'm like you guys are ridiculous and then when i live it i go oh yeah i'm totally 100 percent like that so yeah doubt i think is yeah it's just a human thing yeah yeah doubt has been uh, a big part of my story of walking with jesus yeah I grew up in a Christian family. I went to church for as long as I could remember. I was in a very actively involved in the church family. Like my dad wasn't a pastor or one of the teachers at any of the churches that we were at, but he was really actively involved in some churches. He served as a deacon in that capacity In other churches we were a part of. He ended up serving as an elder, even if he wasn't like the main one teaching on a Sunday or something like that but we were always super involved and church was just part of life growing up. Like I thought everybody went to church. I didn't think that it was a weird thing that we did or that it made my family special or different in any way. So when I reached high school, ironically enough, the thing that caused my first real faith crisis was when I went to an apologetics class that was run by the church. The plot thickens. Yeah, so if, you, if you're if <laughs> you not like, familiar that, with that...
0: That was not our intended outcome.
1: <laughs> well, it, I, I got there, so I mean, it, it kind of worked. But okay. if you're not familiar with that term, apologetics is the study of defending the faith of Christianity and really defending anything. Like if you give an apologia for something, if you spoke Greek or just wanted to start dropping more Greek into your everyday life... An apologia for something is a set of reasons or explanations as to why you believe something. So Mm -hmm. when we're talking about Christian apologetics, a lot of times we're talking about rational arguments for how we know that a God can exist or Mm -hmm. reasonable defenses for God being the creator of the world and the world that we see not just being a series of happy random accidents or something along those lines. Right. So I got to that class and the first week, the teacher of that class kind of laid out all of the different things that we were going to go over and talked about. We were going to talk about creation. We were going to talk about other religions. We were going to talk about all kinds of different things. But the one that stood out to me was he talked about, we're going to look at the errors in the Bible. And I was like, I'm sorry, what now? Like the, the Bible has what in there? And He started talking about some, you know, things that are called scribal errors where maybe a scribe that was writing something down wrote the wrong number or put a comma or some kind of like small word in the wrong place or a misspelling or different things like that. Right. All I could hear was the Bible has errors and I was freaked out. Yeah. It's like opening your mind up to the whole world of
0: textual criticism.
1: Yeah, and I had never heard anything about it or at least I had never remembered anything about it to that point. Right. And cuz you you were you were probably still
0: operating from that framework as a kid of like the Bible floated down from the clouds, perfect and intact and every letter of the English text was <laughs> hand
1: transcribed and translated from Greek and Hebrew by God. Yeah, Paul definitely spoke the King's English. That oh, yeah. was 100%. I I didn't believe that it floated down, but I did believe that like Paul was just at a desk one day. Yeah, the Holy and just Spirit had a bunch trans. of paper, and the Holy Spirit was just like, hey, you want to write 2 <laughs> Corinthians? And Paul yeah. was like, all right, cool. And like God just spoke it, and then he just wrote it, and that was that. Yeah. So that, but there's an a slightly more literal version.
0: That. But yeah, yeah. as kids, we, we take it very literally, that, that idea of just this utter perfection and that there's no
1: troubling things in it. And, exactly. Uh, so, so that was my view of the Bible coming to that apologetics class. And when I was presented with all of the reasons that other people have doubted, what struck me instantly was I have never asked myself any of these questions. Yeah, right. I've never really thought through, is Christianity part of my family's culture or does Christianity matter to me? Yeah. And Mm -hmm. it was a five-week class and I didn't really sleep during (laughs) those five weeks. Like I was really freaked out. I was going to bed just thinking about this stuff every night. I wasn't Mm -hmm. focusing on things. Fortunately, I had I know one of the themes that that came up and that's going to keep coming up throughout this episode is the idea of being able to give voice to those doubts. I had a teacher in that class and I had a friend who was a couple years older than me that I was able to ask all of these questions to. And I totally was doing the well, what if some person were to <laughs> ask you this and that, which really was like, I Asking don't know if this is friend. true. I totally did that for five weeks. And I think that the guy teaching that class saw through it and just knew that this was an important moment in my life and knew that I was really thinking through what I thought about Jesus and wrestling with those doubts and talking through those doubts. That was the first time that it really became clear to me. Jesus isn't just a family tradition of mine. Jesus Mm. is real He is king of the world. The Bible is good, and it is true, and the world is not as black and white as I would like it to be, but Mm, God is still king of the world, and he's worthy of my faith. Wow. I love that, man. That's a great... That's a great story. You, looks like you should write a book as well about doubt. <laughs> I'll day. write like a 12-page forward. A pamphlet. To, to Dom's next. Yeah, I'll do a pamphlet about doubt. That like would Stick be it as a bookmark in Dom's book, you know, for a little extra reading. If you like hit a moment in Dom's next book where like you're just not getting it right away and you need like <laughs> some lighter reading to yeah. remind you to keep going, that's there what my go. pamphlet will be. That's great.
0: Well, you know, so my, if I can share my story of doubt. Yeah, definitely. It's... Not as definitive as yours. It's kind of just been a slow ping-ponging back and forth throughout my life, you know, because I was a pastor's kid, grew up the same as you. I still am a pastor's kid. My dad is still a pastor. So, but anyway, yeah, just, I grew up like you in the church, just took it all at face value and believed it. And then hit middle school, started learning about other religions and was just like, this is interesting. There's other beliefs. And then there was things in my life that I was praying for and they, you know, weren't getting answered. My prayers weren't getting answered. So it was just like, Oh God, you know, are you, do you really care as much as you do? And, uh, you know, it's just been that roller coaster of God answering me in those moments of doubt and showing me, you know, the holes in his hands, like showing, Mm. showing up in my life and proving things to me. And just, just like, there's just things that, it doesn't sound as epic as yours. It's. I feel like my story probably relates to a lot of Christians, though, who it's just been this up and down, back and forth. For me, the more that I learn about theology, for instance, like growing up, learning that there was more than one eschatology, you know, and then that, that raises questions where it's like, okay, my whole life, I've heard of this eschatology, which is uh, the study of the end times, right? Like what's going to happen mm-hmm. when Jesus returns? Um, finding out there's like five of those and you've only heard one your whole life, you start to ask questions like, well, why haven't people figured this out? Like if Christianity has been around so long, why is there so many eschatologies? Why are there so many atonement theories? Why can't people seem to figure out, you know, which is right, Calvinism or Arminianism or something in between? And so for me, those have been, things that have caused doubt in my life where it's, it's been this confusion of like, why are there so many options? Why don't we as the church just have this figured out? Yeah. We've had the book for a while. We should have solved it by now. Right. And I've been so blessed just to have God speak into my life in those moments. And you know, what I'm asking him for is like, God, show me which one is right. Like, I need you to speak directly to me and and just, (laughs) just say, you know, it's, it is this theology that is correct. It is this doctrinal point that is correct. And what I've been learning is God basically, the way he feels about it is like the goal isn't for me to necessarily give you all the answers and so you can have perfect theology. The goal is for us to get to know one another better and Mm. for you to grow closer to me and for you to learn to accept that there are Christians out there that have different beliefs on lesser, less important doctrines than the, the essentials. But for me... Learning those things has been so important. And so for me, like I've always been someone that questions things, and I've found that my questions have pushed me not farther away from Jesus, but closer to him. So I love questions, and I I still go through seasons of doubt about things. Even just recently, for example, moving out here, my biggest doubt has been that God could not provide for me financially. Like straight up, there's an old quote that I heard in a sermon where it's like, yeah, I'm a Christian, but when it comes to finances, I basically turn into an atheist all the time. And I've found that to be really true with me. Like so Mm -hmm. many times where I've just been like, you know, God, how are you going to pull this off? How are you going to help us pay the bills? Like how are we going to do ministry and also make enough to survive? And he's come through. He really has come through. And He's come through in such a way where I'm so convinced of him that even if for some reason I prayed for finances and he didn't come through and I lost my job or, you know, whatever, I would still trust him. But that doesn't mean that there are times that I don't doubt him. So it's a process that I'm in and we're
1: all in, I think. Well, that's what I think is really cool about your story, actually. You know, you say that it's not as epic as some other stories. And I think that the reason it doesn't feel that way is because your story doesn't have the neat beginning, middle, end. And I think that's so relatable because even in my story, the way that I tell that story, it has a neat beginning, middle, and end, but that definitely has not meant the end of doubt in my life. Adulthood Mm. has been a season of learning all new ways that I can doubt God's goodness (laughs) and his love and his provision. I think one of the scariest things with doubt is when it comes back the second time. Like Mm -hmm. you have that initial season of doubt and you work your way through it and you feel some kind of resolution. Yeah. And then it comes back and it's easy to think, oh man, like this is like Jaws 2. Like did we not kill it the first time? Like did we (laughs) not do something right to eliminate this? And I know that that happened for me where as doubts resurface... I start to wonder if any of my putting past doubts to bed has ever mattered at all. Mm. And I think that there's a lot of encouragement in hearing people say, I love Jesus. I walk with Jesus. He's my king and my friend. Yeah, And yet I still encounter new doubts all the time. Mm. Yeah. It's hopeful. If you're listening to this, hopefully it's helpful
0: to learn that we still struggle with this. And we are not the types who are just like, yeah, just just read the Bible and just believe all, more. Just believe more. Just have stronger faith. Just read the Bible and it all makes sense. Uh, doubting is a part of the human experience. It's not uh, the enemy of belief. It is actually something that, if you're in a relationship with somebody, there are going to be times where you have doubts in those relationships. But then it's 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 the same thing. Dom and I talked about last episode. What do you do with mm-hmm. the doubts? So, with that, why don't we jump into some of these questions? Sounds good. So here's one that came in, and Dom and I kind of touched on this, but I'd love to get your take on it, Brian. Sure. So doubting is something that is happening all over. We're constantly seeing young people leave the church, walk away from their faith because of doubts. So the question is, this came from a friend of mine, she said, how should members of the church address so many young people walking away from the faith when they are on their own? And what she means by that is people who grew up in church and children's ministry and youth group, once they go off to college and they're on their own, they start to doubt and they walk away from the faith. So how how should the church address that? Church leaders.
1: Yeah, that's something that I really care very deeply about. I think... The experience that I've gotten to see a lot as a former youth pastor, and let me know if this is your experience as well. Mm. You watch a lot of students go through middle school and high school, loving Jesus, following after him, but probably closed in a pretty safe Christian bubble. Mm. Yeah, And then they go off to college and leave youth group. And now they're on their own and it's the first time they get to hear other voices. Mm. Yeah. And I I know for me when, because I went to public school, but I was also very much in the Christian bubble. Yeah. And when I went to college, one of the things that I was kind of waiting for was for God's not dead to happen. <laughs> like I was waiting for the college professor to be like, so do any of you believe the Bible? And then I was gonna be the only one to raise my hand and he was right. gonna be like, well, you're stupid. Like I was waiting for that moment. And then you would challenge him to a debate
0: and destroy him, you know, intellectually. And then all of your classmates would get saved and that would be your first church plan. Yeah, and then you'd get hit by a car, Kevin Sorbo. I could do a whole episode on uh, the problem. I have with that movie there's some great things about that movie don't get me wrong but
1: can uh, we can we please do, do a god's you. not dead reaction episode yeah we should that would be amazing we're, but we're really like behind the curve there that happened a long time ago but anyway no it's still worth it please continue please we continue. should still do that yes either way I kept waiting for that kind of intense very apparent we are anti-god here kind of thing to happen <laughs> And what I found in my college, and I went to a community college, and then I went to the state school, I went to Rutgers University, we're bad at football, but (laughs) either way, when I was there, I kept waiting for a really anti-God thing to happen. And I just found a lot of really nice people, Mm. people who were doing good things, people that were fun to be around. Yeah. People that weren't just like looking around every corner to find Christians and persecute them, but people yeah. who were just kind of going about their business. And they thought differently from me on a few different things, but because of their demeanor, it didn't seem like those differences were huge. And so I think that what happens is when you start meeting non believers who aren't like actively evil all the time. Yeah you realize that you weren't thinking about the world the right way. Mm, mm. And that makes you wonder what else you got wrong. Mm, yeah. And you end up thinking, what else did you get wrong?
0: Mm, yeah.
1: And if you got something so fundamental, like how you see other people in the world, it just changes your view on everything. So one of the things that I've found in dealing with students who are in that place is there's not a lot of conclusions in that moment. There's just a lot of questions. Mm, And when they ask those questions in front of non-believers, they're listened to, they're cared about. People want to see them go through, you know, finding their own inner happiness or finding some kind of resolution within themselves. Yeah, But they go and ask those questions to church people And it's like, "Ah, I knew that college was gonna mess with you. And it's like, they've already lost. Yes, just by asking the question. And then they don't ever come back and ask you again because they think that they're gonna be treated like they've already become the enemy when really they're just trying to say like, hey, did you know like nice people exist at college? And that's kind (laughs) of different than what I heard here.
0: Yes. No. you're hitting the nail on the head. So I think if you're listening to this and you're either a pastor or a church leader, or maybe just, you know, you're a Christian who's on fire for Jesus. Right. And there's someone, a young person in your church who is doubting and walking away from their faith. Something to realize first off is they are getting just, just like you, just like me, they're getting exposed to content that is going to give them secular ideology way more than most people are exposed to christian content that gives them a spiritual jesus-centered ideology unless you're in bible college where you're just surrounded by it or whatever but Mm -hmm. for most people it's like you go to church on sunday and you hear a sermon maybe midweek maybe you're listening to a podcast once in a while but for most people they've got youtube going they've got uh tv going you know other podcasts they've got school where they are you know between teachers and other students it's not just teachers that impart secular ideologies it's it's classmates it's Mm -hmm. your friends telling you that hey porn is awesome or Uh, you should sleep around with whoever you want, or, Hey, here's some drugs or, you know, whatever, not to be cliche, but secular ideologies are coming out all the time. So knowing that, like knowing no matter what you do, people are going to get exposed to ways of thinking that are outside of the way of Jesus. So if people are coming to you and they're getting exposed to this stuff and your response is just, well, that's bad. And you're bad for listening to that. How dare you ask that? They're, they're not going to ever come back and ask you more questions again. And so it's 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 important for us as church leaders or Christians who care about people to, to realize that we need to be willing to sit with the uncomfortableness of people's hard questions. And I'll just give you one example. The young people I talk to, the ones that have left the Christian bubble and spend most of their time with secular people, when I say secular people, don't think I say that negatively, like, ah, oh, evil, secular, like... I just mean people who aren't Christians. When they spend time with people who aren't Christians, they are going to come to you with this mentality. If you you have a church that says that homosexuality is a sin, they're going to look at that like, how could you believe that? Like that is bigoted. That is cruel. Like these people just love each other. Why would you try to prevent that? That, I deal with this all the time. People talk to me about this, young people. And that's the mentality is like, you as Christians claiming that this is evil actually feels evil. It feels like you are oppressing somebody else. And so if you're a church leader or a Christian and your natural tendency is just to say, well, you should just shut up and believe what the Bible says. And if you don't like it, get the heck out. You're not going to reach them. You need to be willing to actually sit with them in the uncomfortableness and admit like, yeah, you know what? From a, from a humanistic perspective, If you take God completely out of the picture, yeah, it actually, that is, that does seem kind of cruel when you just put it that way. Like that, that is really hard. Can I just, can I please explain to you why I, why I actually believe what I believe about this? And it's, it's a hard conversation. It's an awkward one, but young people will respect you way more if you're willing to actually have that conversation with them in a loving, respectful way
1: than just saying, get the heck out and read your Bible, right? Absolutely. I mean, what I've really found surrounding this whole conversation is that it seems like demeanor matters as much, if not more than content. Mm. That I can sit down and have a conversation with a former student who's gone to college and is asking that same question. Like I go and hang out with friends at school and they wonder how I could possibly believe that you know being gay is a sin. And I look at those people and I don't know what to do. And I may not say anything really significant to them, But just by having a demeanor of love and saying, yeah, we want to be loving to all people, it's difficult to sit in that situation. I've been there and I've felt that. Yeah, right. Just by acknowledging that feeling of it's weird when I go out into the world and I'm the only Christian. It's weird when I feel that aloneness out in the world and in front of secular people. Sometimes just by recognizing that aloneness, just by recognizing that lonely feeling, that by itself can remind that doubting person, even when they feel alone, they're not the only one that's gone through that moment. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, empathy is
0: huge Mm -hmm. because i I don't know if you felt this way but the way i grew up the way we talked about apologetics it made me look at atheists and non-believers and secular people as kind of like the enemy and it was my job Mm -hmm. to like defeat them and i didn't see them as much as human as i do now now i realize like the atheist you're talking to you know the the lgbt person you're talking to the the skeptic You know, whatever they have their own problems and their own doubts and their own issues and their own struggles, and I mean, really, what it comes down to is Jesus wants to bridge that gap and use the Holy Spirit to speak to them in that moment. And so, it's like your job is just to reach them, it's just to love them, and yeah, speak truth. But yeah, what you're saying is the way the way it comes off is so important. Are you trying to shove truth down someone's throat? That's not going to be received. So. Yeah, I think when it comes to doubt, we need to be willing to sit in the uncomfortableness with people. And uh, I've been trying really hard the last few years to do that. And I'm blessed to say that I've got quite a few young people that talk to me about issues, and we disagree on a lot of things, but we keep coming back to talk to one another because we respect one another. And to me, like that's 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 huge. Yeah, that's gaining ground. Like in my mind, I mean, I have an agenda just like they do. Like I, I really do want them to know Jesus. But the more open I can be to them and the more open they can be to me, the more ground we can cover.
1: So here's another question that hopefully by talking through this we can provide a lot of comfort for people who are in the middle of doubt Mm. is it blasphemous to doubt or wrestle with questions about who god says he is like does god really demand blind faith from us like just get in line and follow me and don't ask any questions or is there room for doubting and wrestling and questioning Well, what does blasphemy even
0: mean? I'm looking it up right now. The definition is the act or offense of speaking sacrilegiously. That's another fun church word. Mm -hmm. Um, Basically it means disrespectfully towards God. Yeah, so is expressing your doubt blasphemous towards God? To try to keep this one short, I would just say there's a difference between being doubtful and being disrespectful, right? Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah. It's like when you're a kid and your parent asks you to do something and you're just like, no, you're stupid. I don't want to do that. That's disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> but when your parent says to do something and you're like, but why? Like, I don't understand why you're asking me to do that. That
1: actually doesn't make sense. Like, did you ever do that to your parents? I did. Yeah, I did. And I had to learn how to walk that line well yeah (laughs) yeah yeah
0: for sure and and the thing about jesus is i think he's more patient with doubters than our parents are Mm -hmm. or our parents were probably with us when we doubted them because yeah just that's the thing he's so patient like again look at how he handled peter when peter's walking on the water and he sees the winds and waves and he sinks right does jesus let him drown no he like just reaches down pulls him back up that's that that's a real thing that happened but it's a even greater metaphor for just the relationship jesus have with peter and the disciples they're constantly asking jesus questions like why why would you say that lord what do you mean mm-hmm. you're not going to kill the romans what do you mean you're going to die like what like they're they're it's not just thomas that doubted jesus it's the disciples constantly and so no i don't think it's blasphemous at all i think it's just a part of the human experience to doubt god it's again it's what do we do with those doubts but what do you think brian
1: i completely agree with you and i I think that Dom made a really helpful distinction in the last episode about doubt is not the opposite of faith. Mm. Willful unbelief is the opposite of faith. So I'll just give you a real my own heart example. Okay. Just a few months ago before I ended up getting the job that I have now. You know i ended up spending about four months unemployed and job searching and really wondering god what are you doing my wife and i really thought that god was giving direction to our life and then it all felt like that was gone and it felt like it had completely fallen apart we needed to move from california back to new jersey And in moments of honest prayer, I started saying, God, it feels like you're not providing for me. Yeah. But I didn't say that because I was just shaking my fist at God and saying, I'm done with you. And that's kind of what I bringing up exactly what you highlighted. If you're bringing up a real doubt because you want God to answer you, I believe that he'll honor that. I believe he will answer you. I believe that he will make some kind of answer to your question clear, even if it's not a direct answer, he'll show you more of himself. He loves to respond to people that call out to him. But if you say these things, not because you actually want God to answer you, but because you're just angry and you want to vent and you want to show God that you're done with him, That's not doubting anymore. That's willful unbelief. That's you deciding that you are against God. So I think it's really important. Ask your questions, bring up your doubts, offer those things to God in prayer and keep bringing those things up But do so every time, hoping that you find out why your doubt isn't really all that good and why Jesus is better. I think if you do it with that heart, then it's definitely not disrespectful. It's you trying to learn more about God. He gets how small we are and he gets how much we need to learn. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, look all over the Bible. Look at the Psalms. The Psalms are full of doubters. It's
0: full Mm -hmm. of people saying, God, why have you forsaken me? And God's like, I'm right here. They're like, no, you've forsaken me. (laughs) I know it. I feel it. You know, look at Job. Job was constantly doubting and he had every good reason to doubt. You know, the guy was dying. You know, his family had been killed off by natural disasters and he had boils and diseases and everyone in his life abandoned him and left him. I mean, if anyone had reason to doubt, it was Job. And yet God continued to love Job. He was stern with them. He was like, hey, listen, like, I know you're doubting me, but like, I am who I am. Mm-hmm. and you need to trust me at the end of the day you need to trust me and job did and things were good the the bible is just full of these kind of doubts but i think i think if there's anyone listening to this who's not a christian right because we don't want to just make a show for christians you know a show by mm-hmm. christians for christians we want this to be a show that somebody who's not a christian could listen to i want to say be blessed by but do non-christians get blessed by things i don't know like that's not terminology Only after they sneeze there you go but i can just see a non-christian listening to this and just kind of rolling their eyes and being like okay What is the deal with these two guys? They have doubts that are rooted in reason and logic, and yet they continue to put their trust in a spiritual being that they can't see or hear audibly. Why
1: would you do that? You know, why? I mean, why do you do that, Brian? Yeah, I do that because the more that i read the bible the more that it becomes clear to me that jesus was and is real because jesus offers to live life with us and i get the sense as i engage with the bible and engage with christian teaching and engage with other people that are also followers of jesus that there is a real spirit of God that moves among us and I am drawn to keep living that way and I've found honestly no satisfying answer for what life is all about outside of that yeah that's good yeah for me
0: you know I I would just I would echo everything Brian just said but then to add my own spin on it You know everybody has to believe in something like if you strip christianity out of the picture we believe that at one time in the universe there was nothing and then there was an explosion of chaos and all of this order was produced and now we have life and systems and creatures that are intelligent some more intelligent than others you know humans are more intelligent than animals Uh, i mean that is something that also sounds like a fairy tale. When you mm-hmm. think about it, you know, like it sounds like the beginning of a fantasy movie, like in the beginning, before time began, there was a magical, dec- when the great magic exploded and then life <laughs> began. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's science, yes, but it
1: sounds yeah. it sounds like fantasy. Space because, rock circles fire, billions survive. Yeah. Like, and I'm, That doesn't make sense as a headline. <laughs> and I'm not trying to make fun of it
0: at all. I'm trying to I'm trying to point out the similarities between Christianity and other religions and then people who Mm -hmm. claim that they're not religious there's so much that we weren't there for way back when and we are all doing our best at trying to explain how it happened and Mm -hmm. so you know I'm somebody who I used to mock other religions as a Christian I definitely don't want to do that anymore because I understand at the root of it everyone is trying to figure things out and they are trying to understand the universe and The difference is I genuinely believe that Christianity is true based on what I've studied, based on what I've researched, and based on what I believe to be, I have encountered God. He has spoken to me, he has reached me, he's touched my heart. I can't explain that away. There's a lot of evidence for sure. Like I've I've studied, there's things I've looked at where I'm like, okay, this makes sense. Like from a historical standpoint, archeology, span like th- there's there's a lot of stuff here, even science. I don't think that God and science are at odds. I actually believe that God is the author of science. He invented it. But all that to say, yeah, I, I believe what I believe and I hold to it. But I respect others who don't. And ultimately, because I believe that God is real and that he loves people, that is the main reason I'm trying to convince other people of that, because I want them to, to meet that God, too. So but why don't we why don't we jump on to another question? Here's a question from our good buddy, Sam Buccelli. Hey, Sam. Hey, Sam. We love you. Yeah. Sam. Sam is actually leading a college group. Is he really? At Calvary Chapel La Costa Kill or Kills. Calvary Chapel La Costa Murder. No. Yeah. Calvary Chapel La, it's La Costa. A different kind of church. Yeah. It's a weird church. Good for no. you, Sam. Yeah. He is. Uh, he started a college group. I'm super proud of him and I'm super thankful for him. And uh, this is a question he sent in. I asked him, you know, what are questions that you think young people Are dealing with right now when it comes to doubt. And he wrote in, what do you think of the idea of talking about the state of one's faith in the middle of doubt? Like right in the middle of the struggle of doubt, where is the person's faith? Where is the atheist faith placed? Understanding that faith is just, you know, where you you place your faith and belief. Where is an atheist faith placed? Understanding that faith is just
1: what you place your belief in. What do you think he's trying to say there in that question, Brian? I think what he's aiming for is, to put it as simply and bluntly as I can, are you still a Christian while you're doubting? Mm. Hmm. To which I think that doubt and wrestling through questions is one of the greatest signs of Christian health. I think (laughs) kind of like what we've been talking about, there are so many biblical examples of not just people in the faith, but leaders and heroes of the faith who wrestled through all kinds of different questions and doubts and struggles and complications and all these different things. I I think that it's so important to not bring up with someone who's doubting the question of, so like, are you still a Christian or not? Like that can come across like I put my hand like above my hip while I was doing that. I know you can't see that for this podcast, but I want you to get, I want you I to feel it. like I was trying to be condemning when I Ooh. made that voice because yeah, that's Super how condescending. I, yeah, like, are you, are you, are you like, even still a Christian right now? Like, that's... I was getting some real, like, Karen energy from you. Yeah. I was hoping that you'd pick up on it because I was trying to get there without saying it. So I'm glad that my... I have one acting move and you're it's such that a, I'm a good Karen. You're such a Karen, Brian. Thanks, um, man. Here, that's what here, I... I would like to speak to the manager of this podcast.
0: (laughs) Technically, that would be us. Um, That's true. (laughs) I already am. If you go any higher up, it's Kellen. But yeah, he's too cool for us. So anyway, here's an analogy that I would use. And this is totally like me doing the classic youth ministry, you know, pull an illustration out of thin air that just came to you. But I think it works. This is kind of how I think of Christianity and whether you're in or not. Think about an airplane, right? It takes faith to get on an airplane. Like you have to put your trust in it. You have to go, I believe that this plane is going to get me where I need to go. So I'm going to pay the money and I'm going to step on it and strap myself in, right? When you're in the plane, there will be times where, especially if you're not an experienced flyer, there's going to be some
1: gnarly turbulence and this, the plane is going to be shaken all around and you are going to think, I, I'm going to die. Like, this Isn't plane it has- amazing how much planes can shake without <laughs> instant death? Yeah, it's insane. Like there's times where I'm like, my car doesn't do this. Like this is crazy. I talked to a flight attendant once about like someone who I know who is a flight attendant. I wasn't yeah. just on a plane. I was like, excuse me, ma'am. <laughs> but... I was asking this person. That's kind of the point of flight attendants, to be able to say, excuse me, ma'am. Yeah, but it's normally like, excuse me, ma'am, more ginger ale? Like, right. that's all that you're asking. Not like, excuse me, ma'am, tell me I about always... your worst flying experience. I asked a flight attendant friend, at what point with turbulence do you start getting scared? Like, I wanted to know <laughs> what's the bar at which I'm allowed to be afraid. Do you know what she said? What? When your feet leave the ground. <laughs> Like, until you're airborne, it's all just fine. And that is terrifying to me. But See, it's that- actually really comforting when I'm on a plane. Now I don't know if she lied to me and was just like, just never be the guy that freaks out on a plane. Like, you got to be, like, hitting the ceiling before you can get scared. <laughs> but just, like, the amount that a plane can shake and it's yeah. just all okay is mind-blowing to me. Yeah, in, yeah. it's so you're totally, going to hit turbulence is what we're trying to say.
0: You're going to hit turbulence and there's going to be times where you're going to freak out and think, oh, we're going to die. We're not going to make it. But you know what? If you stay on the plane, even if you have those feelings, you're still, you're still on the plane. If you open the door and grab a parachute and jump out, well then you've left the plane. Right. But just because you're in the plane doubting doesn't mean that you're not still flying. Right. So that's just, that's kind of my cheesy l- illustration. You can be in that Christianity plane, hitting some gnarly turbulence in your life. You know, somebody in your family dies, you go through a crisis of faith, you learn some new information and it just blows your mind. And you're like, how can Christianity even still be true if this is also true? Like, yes, but as long as you continue to keep your relationship with Jesus active. And what I mean by that is like, do you still look at him and say, I am going through some things right now that are really hard and it's causing me to doubt you, but I still want you in my life. I still, I'm still in this. I still want to follow you. He'll keep you in. He's not going to push you out of the plane. He's not like how dare you get afraid of turbulence and throw you out, you
1: know? Yeah. He's not the pilot that comes on and is like, if everyone wouldn't mind throwing 24 D out the window, That would be very helpful. I saw them nervously sweating during the turbulence, and I realized Mm
0: -hmm. they're not fit to be on this plane. No, yeah, that's not. This is a plane
1: of champions. (laughs) 24-D is clearly not up to par. Son, let me explain something to you. This is a plane for champions. Give me all the bacon (laughs) and
0: eggs you have.
1: (laughs) That made me so happy.
0: That was just the Ron Swanson was where my mind
1: went. But But he'd be a great pilot. I would be a great pilot. A stake in every seat. (laughs) I'd be so happy if this was the rest of the episode and we never finished the question.
0: Welcome to the Ron Swanson Podcast.
1: We were both youth pastors, so let's double stack analogies because that's what youth pastors are good at. You were thinking a plane. I was thinking of it like a hike. Have you ever planned a hiking trip for a youth group? (laughs) No. Okay. (laughs) I was more of
0: a, like, let's come to my house and play video games kind of youth pastor and not like a, let's go kill ourselves in
1: nature. Okay, so good that you said that. That's probably wisdom on your part. (laughs) I've only done it a couple times. It is not fun because what happens is you try to pick like I use the term hike very generously Mm -hmm. because what I would really try to bring the students to was like a gravel path with some trees more than (laughs) like we're actually like climbing or going over things or traversing rivers or anything like that.
0: I take it back. I have led hikes at summer camp. Okay. What what else are you going to do in the mountains? So I'm with you. Exactly. I'm I'm connecting on this.
1: Yes. Okay, good. I found that there were students who would come along for the hike, who were blown away at how much walking a hike is. (laughs) And were super complaining. Were you? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Little fat kid with curly hair. (laughs) Why do we... Why why do we got (laughs) to walk? Pizza back at the camp. (laughs) Why don't we just
0: go eat the Pizza. Evan's like he's he's all like no we gotta we gotta do this walk there's there's this really incredible cross at the top of the camp and we're all gonna go pray I'm like
1: I don't I don't wanna I'm a fat kid so I would bring all of these complainy kids with me into the woods I would
0: grab I would gather all the complainers into the woods
1: for the sacrifice I'd bring all of these students out to begin the hike. And a lot of them would get super complainy, super whiny. Like, how much farther are we going to go? Like, what's going on? Why is outside not air conditioned? Like, all these just, like, ridiculous things. But what would happen was there would be kids that even though they were complaining, I'd finally just give them the option and, like, designate a leader and be like, you can follow that guy if you just want to go back to the van. I'm done with you. And they'd all keep complaining, but they would keep coming along. And even though they were all super complaining, they still chose to keep walking forward. Yeah. They still wanted to be part of the group. They just had concerns about their circumstances. Hmm. And I think that that's a really helpful way to think about our state when it comes to doubt. Doubt is fine if it's complaints or concerns or problems with your circumstances that you choose to voice it's a problem when you stop walking on the path and worse it's a real problem when you turn around and leave the group because then you find that you're just wandering the woods by yourself
0: yeah no that's really good i think the thing it brings to mind for me is There is so much doubt that God is willing to put up with. Mm -hmm. A lot of times what drives doubters away from Christianity isn't God. It's other Christians who say, you can't be a Christian if you have those kind of doubts. Mm -hmm. Like, Like, just for example... I feel like we've been hitting a lot on political stuff lately but you know it's an election year so it's going to come up let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people who grew up conservative and they left the faith not because they became a little bit more progressive but because people in their life told them well you can't be a christian unless you're conservative republican. That is not that like why drive people away when, if, if you really believe, if you really believe that what they're getting into is wrong in their belief system, trust the Holy Spirit enough that if they remain in the faith, that God is going to speak to them and convict them of the things that they're wrong on, just like He does with us. Same thing with people who, this is one that's tragic to me. There's Christians, there's kids that have walked away from Christianity because they were told you can't believe in evolution and believe in Christianity. Okay, my whole thing is I don't believe in evolution. I know that's a minority position. I get it. I know I'm in a minority. I know most people believe in evolution. I'm not there. But theistic evolution is a thing. Like there's Mm -hmm. Christians out there that believe that the way that God created things was through evolution. And there's some interesting things that happen with how you interpret Genesis for sure. But like, I just don't understand why you would tell someone they can't follow Jesus because they don't have the exact same view of creation than you as long as they believe that god's the one who made it happen that's the main point to me so yeah it's just better
1: tell c.s lewis he's not a christian
0: yeah no totally like if you want to enjoy narnia like you also have to grapple with the fact that he was a theistic evolutionist so yeah even though i'm not i can respect those who are and i just think there's so many young people that are driven away from the faith because they're made to believe that they can't hold that faith if they don't believe everything exactly the way the people they grew up around were told it. You know, that that's just sad to me.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree. It's taking things that are not part of Christianity and making people think you must believe Jesus died on the cross, you must believe that Jesus arose from the dead, and you must believe that he wants you to vote Republican. And... It's just, and we do this with a thousand different things. I'm not just trying to harp on the political example, but... And to be fair, there's Democrats who say the same thing. There's, yeah, the, absolutely. There's Christian it, it, Democrats, which both is sides.
0: a unicorn to the people you and I come from, but they exist. Yeah. And I've seen some of them who are like, you cannot be a Christian and vote for Trump. Mm-hmm. You know? and I'm just like, you
1: yeah, can't it, say it, that. Like, it's totally happening yeah. both ways. And so it's not that we want one side to win and the other side to lose. It's that the storyline of the Bible is that the whole world is on the losing side, except for the people that pledge allegiance to Jesus. And that is the message that we need to share with people. So I, I agree with you. I am also a person who does not believe in evolution. I believe in God creating the world and not using evolution as part of that process. However, I can definitely say that in my own life, the way that I have seen young earth creationists say that if you don't agree with me, you're not saved. And particularly the way that I've watched a guy like Ken Ham preach for his position, it's made me doubt that position and want to be part of the other camp hmm. because I don't want to be associated with, with that kind of bombastic style yeah. of sharing that message. And I don't I don't believe that you have to believe in literal six-day creation to be a Christian And so that's one of those moments where in my own heart, and it's between two camps of Christians. So this isn't about like a doubt of, am I leaving the faith? But I've seen the tendency of my own heart to say, forget about what the evidence says. I just don't want to be like that guy. So I'll believe the other thing. And I think we need to be Mm -hmm. aware that that's a powerful way that people can think. That is. Yeah. Oh my
0: gosh. I have seen a lot of people walk away from Christianity because they're reacting to some very harsh and cruel types of Christians. And Mm -hmm. they're like, well, if that's what Christianity is, I don't want anything to do with it. That is why our witness is so important. Like, We have to remember that Christianity is not just saying a prayer and then living the rest of your life and then going to heaven one day. We have to protect the way people see Christianity. If we want people to accept it, we need to protect it in its truest, most pure form. And that doesn't mean compromise. That doesn't mean we go, oh, well— Talking about this sin makes a lot of people uncomfortable. So let's just say it's not sin, Mm but that's not what we're talking about. Apply that to whatever sin you want. What I'm saying, though, is we don't have to be a jerk about our beliefs and things. And yeah, what I've come to realize is, first of all, I don't think that God, (laughs) I don't think that God's losing sleep about what Christians believe in six days or not. Mm -hmm. I don't think that God is losing sleep on who believes in theistic evolution or not. I think that the main thing comes down to, do you follow Jesus? And I can stand next to my friends who are theistic evolutionists and we can love each other and respect each other, which is hard. Cause like some, there's, I've, I've talked to some guys who are into theistic evolution and they can be really rude to people who don't mm. believe in evolution. Like I've been on the receiving end of like some, on some Facebook uh, threads, you know, just like, you don't believe in evolution. Like, how could you possibly be so stupid? But like, to be fair, I also know Christians who are like all those people who believe in evolution are morons. And so it's just, it's, it's just, man, we could talk about this for a whole series of episodes, but it comes down to, for me, just be okay with doubters expressing doubt and don't drive them away from the faith. Because that's not what Jesus does. What does he do to Thomas? Again, he doesn't drive Thomas away. He says, here I am. Look at the holes in my hands. People need an experience of Jesus. That's a big thing that we haven't talked about. People really it can't just be head knowledge they need to experience the living Jesus And there's people that have have experienced Jesus, but it's been so long since they experienced him that they forgot what that feels like and they mm-hmm. drift and that's what we need to be praying for for the people. That's what I pray for for every single one of my former students that I can see is going through doubt. I'm not praying God send them someone who can convince them factually that everything they're doing or believing is wrong. I'm praying, God, find a way that they can experience your presence and know that you're with them
1: and then change them through the power of your spirit. That is such a huge point because I used to always think that the world of unbelief could be solved if one guy made a really great PowerPoint. Like I really thought if we just came up with the perfect gospel presentation, <laughs> people would be like, oh, well, I, I I have to believe this Jesus. You showed me all the facts that I didn't know before. Right. Right. And in so many places in scripture, it's not about ignorance. It's about willful unbelief. That's the Mm -hmm. real problem. And I think that just what you're saying, we need to remember as much as we want to be knowledgeable and smart and realistic about what life in this world is and finding how Christianity synthesizes with life in this world. We need to also remember being a Christian is not an intellectual pursuit It is a whole life pursuit of Jesus. It is trusting him as leader and as king. And that's something that takes a whole lot more than just some knowledge about a particular topic. Like Mm -hmm. no one has ever been convinced about creation all the way into being an amazing Christian. They gave their whole life to pursuing Jesus and Mm -hmm. Jesus met them on that journey. So be part of meeting people on that journey not just combating them over one topic. Amen. That's good stuff.
0: Well, that's the end of the episode for today. Thanks everybody for listening. We love you guys.
1: You are the best. You are the best.
0: We're very thankful you guys listen to this podcast and Man, it was just a great time today talking about doubts and faith. And if you have doubts in your faith or questions, send us questions. We love questions. You can send questions to our email, gmail.com or you can send uh, my Instagram account. You can DM me and I'll throw your question into uh, the mix of our question list for episodes. But yeah, we 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 want this to be a show where anybody listening can express anything they're going through or any doubt or any frustration. And maybe we'll talk about it on the episode or maybe Ryan or I will just talk to you you on Instagram and have a conversation with you. But yeah, we we want to be there. This is a ministry, this podcast. Mm-hmm. We consider this a ministry. And so we want to be there for anybody who's going through anything. We want to be available to chat.
1: Yeah. So much of what we were just talking about in this episode about dealing with doubt is how there needs to be conversation. And maybe you have a whole bunch of doubts that you've been waiting for the opportunity to finally share them with somebody. If either Aaron or myself can kind of be that safe place for you to begin sharing that, please reach out. We don't want to be the people that talk to you every once in a while through your phone and then disappear. We love the idea of potentially being part of helping you walk through life with Jesus through more than just these episodes. Absolutely. So yeah, we're not too busy. We're not doing anything. <laughs> we're just waiting for your call. We're, yeah.
0: Just, 732. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, contact us anytime. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you on the next one. Until then, goodbye.